Hello. So you are here and tuned into the interview with Saleh, given name Shamika, but I prefer Saleh. And my company name is Goddess. This, this, this is, 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 is Diversified game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey! It's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, this is a young woman, an actress of all things, that got citizenship at the same time we did in Sierra Leone. You know, Salon Bobo, we thank African Young Voices for being our new partners and airing this on AYV Radio. And whether you're listening on AYV Radio, iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, Listen Notes, we thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is Saleh, and she's going to give us the game on what it is to be an actress. She's also a teacher. She teaches over 100 kids, you know, uh, during a school year, and she's a double sim, dual citizen like we are. So, you know, we're just going to get the game and learn from her, but she's been on some big shows. So if her face looks familiar, yes, she might be the younger sibling of Erica Badu or Lauren Hill. That's for (laughs) you to find out. But Saleh, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. I am doing amazing and I'm excited to be here. Well, let's just start with, you know, before we talk about all the things that you've accomplished, you know, on camera, what did it mean to you to get citizenship in Sierra Leone? Many people would say, why would you want citizenship from here? And those people would be in Salon. They say, you already have a blue passport. What do you need citizenship from here? So, you know, give the game on that to start. That is so interesting that you said that because I've even heard that here why from some people but uh that question oh it's so it's so overwhelming i get so overwhelmed with emotion when i think about it um growing up you know we're tied to africa we just know that we're we're african right we're descendant from the africans that were torn away from their home and that that's all we know you know um And then growing up in New Orleans, you walk around and you would see the various flags on people's homes. They have their American flag or their Italian flag or their Irish flag or, you know, their Mexican flag or, you know, they have their different flags. They have their language, uh, their religion. And so I always knew I was going to get back to Africa. However, I never would have thought in a million years that I would be able to go back home and actually connect to the people that I was from. So when I got there and I saw that I had a language, a culture, and a flag in a country that belonged to me, it changed everything. It's like, I would come home and I would say, I mean, I always knew I came from greatness, but oh my God, <laughs> you know, it's, it's solidified. So it means so much to me to have that passport to go home. Like that's my home, you know, that's where I was 
rooted from. I was uprooted from there. Well, my people were uprooted from there and I just happened to be born here, but that's home. And the moment you step on that ground, you feel it. It's a feeling you cannot explain. I don't know. I tell people it's crazy. My skin even come to life out there. Like everything just radiates. It's just different. It's it's like your soul know it's home. And having that passport, it's just so important to me. And and it's 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 a great thing. Are you I don't know if you've done the research, but are you maybe the second actor to come back to Salon? Because we know Idris Alba was, you know, yeah. came back. Yeah. Outside of me, yeah. I think it's it, it's Idris Elba and Isaiah Washington. And that okay. Was, that that's so, it. So you're the first woman for sure Definitely. who's a, an actress um yeah. to come back home. Mm-hmm. And and that that's a beautiful thing. Now Let's just get right into it because, you know, I'm trying to connect you with whoever I know in film. Fabine, hello. I'm talking to you. Um, (laughs) um, I want to know, you know, do you have aspirations of taking film out there? Like, what would you like to do out there, you know, with your talents? Definitely. So definitely I want to perform at art school. I definitely want to perform at art school there where I can have uh, artists come do residencies directors, producers, actors, screenwriters. Um, And then I want to help them build a production studio. You know, film is never going anywhere. As long as there's televisions, as long as there's laptops, as long as there's an internet connection, we will Mm -hmm. always, always have content. That's not going anywhere. And art feeds the soul. You know, everybody should have the right to give their art to the world. And so I definitely, that is one of my goals. Um, and I can't wait to do that. I literally cannot wait. It's so many stories that need to be told. So many things. You think about Sierra Leone and what do you know from it outside of Blood, Diamond, and Homicide? Not much. And Ebola. And Ebola. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I, that that part, and and we have to do our part of when we talk about Salon to make sure we highlight the positives because the negatives, you know, have just been told over and over, and that's all people know. Correct. With with you know your your skills in teaching and and acting. Um, which which stories would you first want to tell? Do you want us to tell the stories of the people there or tell the stories of the people who are coming? Because there's so many stories you can tell. It's like, what's your, where do you start? That That is, it's so funny because even though I'm an actress and like I'm the president of women in film and television here in Louisiana and the president before me, uh, she keeps telling me all the time, you need to focus on yourself. Like you keep helping everybody else. But what about yourself? The first thing I thought was telling a story of uh, my PC. And so I'm named after PC Sale Salamatu Gendemi. Um, and so my first thought was like, oh my God, I have to tell her story about her and her husband during the Civil War. 
And everybody's like, well, what about your story about you returning home? And the crazy thing is it never crossed my mind. Like it just never crossed my mind. I'm there and I'm looking at how can I get their story out about the village? It's twofold. We know about us in America, slavery on that side. We don't know about how the villages was affected on this side, how they were terrified to leave home because people wasn't returning. And it never once crossed my mind to tell the story of me returning home. Mm. Never crossed my mind, never crossed my mind of the information I found with the Mende women being sold all on the West Bank of New Orleans, uh, which is where I hail from. It just never crossed my mind. But there are so many stories that can be told that are just endless. And so I'm excited about that as well. Let's talk about women in film because the same problems that we have seen here in America with the Me Too movement. I've talked to, you know, some actresses, some video vixens, possibly even some socialites. And, you know, they say people have, you know, to make it as a woman, people are always trying us. And here we know in the U.S. the men get tried too. But you have done a good job of picking your roles very wisely, very covered. Um, What do you think, you know, women in film, what can we do where women don't feel like they have to kiss the ring, I call it, and also that men don't feel like just because you're in a power position, you don't have to take advantage of somebody. Maybe that person wants to sleep with you just because, right? (laughs) But (laughs) Right. It's, you know, it's so hard because it does boil down to what you're willing to walk away from. Um, Early on, I've always told myself, money will never be a thing that moves me. Um, Neither roles. And even though I want to be an actress so bad, I love acting and that's all I want to do. I cannot compromise who I am because that's going to stay with me. And I, I... you know, come to the realization that it may take me longer to get to that status that I want, but I'm fine with that. And it's just accountability. You know, we grow up in a patriarchal society, so it's hard. Men do look at it as if you're a woman and I own you, so I have the right to do whatever I want. They, it's still that sense in their mind. You know, I was super disappointed. I was on a film and it was literally about the 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 casting couch. And someone that worked on that film definitely tried me. And it was disheartening because it was like, this is a story we're telling. And I know you hear me speak. Do you think it's just a joke? I don't care if you have a million roles for me, that is never going to move me. The money you can offer me is never going to move me. So you just have to, you know, and I've listened to a lot of actresses that say, well, I wanted this, so I knew what I had to do and I just did it. And I just be like, you know, I, I guess it's that fear of what if I don't ever get it? Can I say that fear has crossed my mind? Of course. But then I'm just like, you know what, whatever I want, I'm going to get. And I don't have to compromise who I am or what I believe in to get it. And um, 
yeah, it just do so much damage. And you have to ask yourself if stepping into that door um, is worth it. I try to avoid it like the plague. Sometimes you can't, I, you know, it's gonna come at you, but I'm not meeting you at any place that doesn't make sense. It's just not gonna happen. It, it, we're not doing that. <laughs> well, well, we have more and more women speaking out, but we also have, you know, and, and I know you noticed you didn't say a name, you know, if it's me and I'm heavily offended, but I'm a, I'm a man and my position is I'm not looking for a role. I'm probably going to hire for a role. But can women even afford to speak out? Because once you speak out, you're pretty much blacklisted blackball, you know, or whiteball, however you want to look at that, right? Um, you, like, people are scared still to say a name and say, this director, this gaffer of all people, you know, wh whomever. You are, and you know why you are afraid? Because they do still, it's, like I said, it's a patriarchal society. So even if you are writing, even if that is the thing, it's still like, I'm gonna make it hard for you. So having women in film is very important so we can support each other, lift each other and back each other. Because at the end of the day, it is power in numbers. It's power in uh, being together. Like they say, teamwork make the dream work. And that is definitely true. Amen. And someone asked me uh, recently, they said, why are you so hard? And you want to talk about the casting couch. You want to talk about this. I'm hard on it because in entertainment, sex is not a foreign thing. Just like in the world, people are having it all the time. You don't have to, you don't have to use your position to get it unless you don't have any game and then you're lame. So that, that's why I stay on this. Let me tell you what's so funny is because when I was in film school, a producer, uh, from Law and Order came spoke to us. And he said his exact words. Uh, I'm not gonna say the casting couch does not exist. It is not, um, what he said, it is not as popular as you think. Like it's not such a big thing as you think. He said, but I'm gonna leave you with this. You can F your way to the middle, but you can never F your way to the top. And I sat there and I thought about that, like what he's, and I was like, that is definitely true. You know, like it, it's just so, it, yeah, it's, it's a thing though, man. It's a thing. And I feel it breaks in my heart when some women believe, you know, that they can't speak up. Well, well, she didn't say a name because they have no power. You didn't say a name, but I'm going to say just I'm throwing it out there. If Dick Wolf made that quote, let's just give Dick Wolf his quote. <laughs> now, let's, 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 let's give it to Dick real quick. What not? We one of, one of our favorites now. Let, now for you teaching, can you give us, you know, I want 
people, wherever they're listening to, to see the state of the mind. You're in New Orleans, which culturally is very rich. And you think that, you know, black people would know their history more than they know it in California, where I'm from, where people didn't even know where Juneteenth was until recently, some people. But you were telling me a story before we began saying, you know, kids didn't even know where their last name came from, you know, and these are kids of middle school or high school, I assume. But and, and, and their parents didn't even know what um, Black Wall Street was. I mean, where are we? Because you're in a place that's so culturally rich. Like, do we even know who we are? Do the masses know? Or are we just kind of like white people with black shells? See, this is what's interesting for me because I was having um, a conversation with one of my friends and he runs... um, the National African-American Gun Association here, and he's in the industry as well, uh, producer, sound mixer, he does a lot. Um, and he was talking about um, how we were, even down to during slavery, we were very uh, conscious of who we were in New Orleans, like the different tribes. Um, there's information where, you know, there were people who would come back to, they were freeing the slaves, but they were specifically freeing their tribes because they knew who they were. And here in New Orleans, um, the French crown were broke. So therefore they couldn't do what other people were doing um, where they would pick up the slaves, drop them off at what they were calling the seasoning plantations to mix them up, you know, to mix us up so we couldn't uprise, right? So the French crown didn't have that much money, which is why uh, New Orleans is so, I guess, culturally um, tied to, to, to their things. Because when the, the tribes got here, they weren't mixed. So, cause they couldn't afford it. So we knew who we were. Uh, you pass those things down. Um, even with our Mardi Gras Indians, you know, they use the Indian story as just a, a cover story to be able to practice our culture uh, in Congo Square and uh, all through Mardi Gras season. We don't know where that disconnect happened, where we lost it, because it's kind of gone. Like we still do it, but I don't think they know why. We still have our second lines, but I don't think they understand. It's just I'm so excited because my mom, my grandmother, my aunts, my cousins, we go to second lines every year. Second line season is coming up. We're going to second lines. Uh, We're going to see the Mardi Gras Indians because that's what we do. We're going to Congo Square because that's what we do without the real education of why we do it or where we come from. You know, I teach at a performing arts school. I teach middle school theater. When you walk in that school, you hear nothing but the brass bands. You hear nothing but the beat of the drum. We have mm-hmm. all that. We have the African dance class where she's given an education on it. So I'm not understanding why they are not tying that into it or they're just not paying attention. They're just not soaking in the information. But as I was saying, I was having a class a conversation with my class about me returning from Africa and they were asking me about the jewelry I had on and why did I wear that jewelry? Did it come from my culture? And I'm like, yeah, yours too. And they were just like, I'm not from Africa. And it was like, well, why are you African-American? Because I'm black. Okay, so where do you think the term African joins with American come from? 
And I teach 160 kids. And so I started having that conversation with each class just to see what they knew. And most of my babies were so disconnected with why they were called African-American or where they actually came from. To them, we are not the descendants of Africans from Africa. They don't even know. They didn't have a clue. It was just that, oh, I was black. That's what I know. Me and the people on the African continent have something in common because we're both black. You know, so that's the assumption of why I'm African-American. And so further explaining to them, we don't have our culture based. We don't have our last name. Your last name is the name of the man that owned your family. You know, and I'm sitting in this classroom and for a second I was just like, girl, you can't be telling nobody children this. And then I'm like, <laughs> no, because we're born black. We're going to die black. And this is, this is truth. And I'm not going to be apologetic for the truth. Um, and so they started Googling their last name. One last name was Anglo-Saxon. The other one last name was, of, uh, was French. One last name was Portuguese. And they just all were like so outdone. They were like, that was the literal reaction. Oh my God. Because you got to understand sixth and seventh and eighth grade, they're so, you know. And it was just like, what's this? So they were just so, hold up, Google your last name. Where did your last name come from? And every time I come in class, it's Miss Ali, you got to tell us more. I need to know more. My mom is going to order me some books. My mom, you know, it's so. That makes me feel good. But, okay, let me push back, though. Let me push back because this might be just a cold. Like, where is it where the young people, right, that they have Google? We all had to go to encyclopedias, right? And our okay. fathers, our fathers and our grandfathers really had to do even more than that because they didn't even get to have them at home. If we were privileged to have encyclopedia at home, you were balling. But you used to have to just go to the library. But it's like the more access to information, because whether you're in the U.S. or if you're in Europe or even in Salon, like you talk to people and I've heard someone, I won't say his name here, but I heard it from multiple people. Oh, in Salon, we're not business people. That's why the Lebanese and the Chinese, they run this stuff. And you're like, do you not know your history and how this came about? Google is right here. So the same thing that's happened in the U.S. with them not knowing who they are happens in Freetown and the rest of Sierra yeah. Leone. As a teacher, what can we do to have our kids say, can you please just Google the history? See, that's what's so interesting to me because it terrifies me also that, I don't know how to say this, that they lack that knowledge or it seems like the more access to information they got, the harder it is for them to understand how to access that information. It seems as the more access to information they got, the critical thinking disappeared. That, mm. that and that's something, and it's funny that you're talking about, when I went home to Freetown, that is one realization that I had that smacked me too in my face. Um, okay. 
the lack of information that they had on to what actually happened to them and why, why they are in the state that they are in. I actually went, that was one of the things that made me cry. I broke down. I legit broke down. And I know they couldn't understand, like, what's, you know, they, my brother told me, um, he said, what's wrong, sister? Why, why are you crying? And I couldn't explain it. I didn't, I didn't know how to explain that to him without it being insulting. So I, I didn't have the words to express that outside mm. of your minds are colonized and it's heartbreaking, you know? Mm. And I, I sat back and I told my, my best friend came visit me um, in Sierra Leone and I was like, oh my God, it's so overwhelming because they colonized our bodies and they colonized their minds on the continent. And um, <clears throat> When I say that, many African-Americans be like, oh, no, we colonize mentally. And I'm like, no, it's not the same. You're not understanding what I'm saying. We know better. We go along. Some of us go along to get along. It's a difference. Your mind is not colonized. You go along to get along to make your life easier. They actually have no idea. It's actually colonization to where they believe this is right. This is the way to go, not knowing that they were given that by the colonizer and it's not theirs. And then it's infused into our tradition and passed on as culture. And it's even more disheartening. So let's, let, let's, let me ask you, since you see that as a problem, and I know you're working on some uh, some businesses and some some things to be able to, you know, um, contribute. What do you think? Do we need a course? Do we need a curriculum? Do we need books? Um, what? Yeah. We all know the literacy rate isn't that high right there because of the education and it's somewhere they knocked out the critical thinking aspect of that. And, you know, you want to be conscious of how people live. You don't want to go, go in and tell them, oh, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is not how you do it. You want to understand so we can move forward together. You know, and I, I am so happy that President Bio did right into allowing girls to go to school because education is everything but then we have to we have to see what what are they using as education you know mm -hmm. giving them them their education i was talking to a professor there and we were talking he had this idea um you know they always talk about our american english just so being there when i first got there this summer uh, he kept, it was me, a physician assistant, um, and he kept telling us, Ugh. you know, he kept talking about the way that we talk. And he was like, that American English, like you guys are so la uh, lazy, because he was under the impression that we're taught British English, but we just choose not to speak it. <laughs> and I was like, no, babe, we, there's nothing British in America, I say maybe if you're in the New England area, but no. And he was like, but you guys speak English. 
I was like, yeah, but it's not British English. And he was like, well, who colonized the British colonized America? I was like, they didn't. You know, so he even had this idea of education. And when I was trying to tell him, uh, he was like, but you, if he was so set on, you guys speak English, so you were colonized by the, the British. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I was like, the British wasn't there long enough to colonize anything. I say they were in Louisiana. I say, let's, let's just speak from what I can tell you that I know. I was like, they were in Louisiana briefly. I said, but Louisiana was owned by the French and the Spanish. So when you come there, that's what you're going to see. You're going to see French names, some Spanish things, but everything else is African. Literally everything else is African. I was like, mm. there is n- no, they, they, they weren't there long enough to leave their stamp on anything. I say, so everything you guys do here, we do not do. We don't know. It's foreign to us. He was like, oh, okay. And he he was a, a professor. He didn't know that. And hmm. Like, hmm. So then that's where you go to what are we teaching? Which is important. And who is and who is teaching us? Because if the professor doesn't know it and he's supposed to be an intellectual, um, and I've seen this and I'm, I'm the biggest collector of Nigerian movies who does not sell movies. I've seen it even in film where the intellectual has totally, you know, just got it wrong. And it's like, that's a movie I know, but movies sometimes tell the stories of what the people are thinking. And and so it, it it's crazy. So we see there's a lot of work. I'm not going to talk about all the work that I know that you're going to do because I want to have you on again. I also want to um, try to see if I can sway you into becoming an influencer over. Um, you, you know, you, you know, I, I, yeah. what I'm so afraid of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm trying to pull you, pull you on this side, and but, but I want the people to get a dose, just a taste of what you're doing, so they can follow you on the social media that will be in the links in the description. No matter if you are listening or watching, but tell the people, you know, you've had a lot of great works. I mean, you know, TV, working with kids. What is a community give back that you have not mentioned yet that you would like to do? Or that you're doing right now? Um, that is so twofold because I do so much I can't even think. It's <laughs> man, I just want to be able um, here or in Salona both. But, but anywhere doesn't it, it's all you. It's all the same thing. The g- world is our village, right? So right. I, I'm not a big believer in a, in a lot of things that'll make me sound crazy on here. But yeah, Salone are in the U.S., but the whole world, because what one person does here impacts the world when you really look at it. I can tell you, I don't want to. I definitely don't want to neglect my babies here. I want my babies to know that everything is possible, uh, and I drilled that into them before I started teaching middle school theater. I was doing arts integration in between uh, auditions, and with that, you would just integrate theater with their academic studies. Uh, you know, whatever it was, science, social studies, math, and. Um, you do that because, of course, the information sticks and it gets the child involved. But talking to my babies and just seeing them, they're so talented. You know, they're in class, outstanding penmanship when they're 
I don't know if that's the correct term you use for people that are that draw, but amazing. I mean, I have my seventh graders draw at the level of the people I was in art school with. Uh, the way they play music, just everything. And when I ask them what they want to do when they grow up, they'll say, I don't know, start a business, work, work at a Walgreens. They don't know. And I want our babies to know, especially in the Black community, that your art can support your life and you do what makes you happy. And if you do what makes you happy and what feeds your soul, the joy, the money will come. And through your art, you will educate and uplift so many. And that is the biggest thing. I always want to help people obtain what feeds their soul. Because what feeds our soul makes us happy. In Salone, I want to, I don't, in, in Sierra Leone, I don't think they, it's possible, they see it as being a possibility for them. I look at the musicians that are so talented. I look at the short films, the music videos that they shoot. And it's just that they don't have guidance there. They have no access to it. I want to be able to make that happen. I want them to know that the, the universe is the limit as well. Definitely there. Starting with, we need computer labs. We need uh, theater stages. We need art houses. They, you know, somebody asked me, they were like, yeah, I think all that is cool for them, but don't they need a school? But art is definitely education. And it goes hand in hand with our culture. And it goes hand in hand with what you learn. So that's just as important. Now, you're not saying this. I'm saying this for that person who said, don't they need a school? I think we've had a lot of school, but school has changed. School can be home. What is school? School is travel, learning. I homeschool my kids. They, they have their own teacher and they get to travel more than most, you know, people. And that is school. And that's the learning. And, and, and what do you take from school? So school is what you make it, what you learn, what you study, what you see. So um, don't they need a school? I just, the way you said it, I heard that person and I, yeah. I was there. Don't they need a school? Yeah, you know what? What did school get you? I Not, just want to know, you know? It's, it's amazing that you said that because most of my education has come from being exposed, has come from traveling. I know the things I know from, um, as they would say as actors, people watch. I learned that from, I learned the things that I know from studying people, learning about different cultures, uh, being exposed to different areas. School didn't give me any of that. School taught me how to read. And I can't even say school taught me how to read. My mom taught me how to read. You know, <laughs> so um, I guess to me, school, and I don't want to say, because you do need some sort of education or whatever that model is. It, it gives you structure. Yeah. It gives you, um, it socializes you. School in America is you know everyone says the the prison pipeline but it really shows you school 
it sets you up for a job. And yeah. right now, everyone needs to be looking at business because a job isn't for everybody. And how you learn, how you read, I found out at like 38, I was a dyslexic my whole life, but I've, I finished grad school, you know, uh, right. coincidentally, but I was had to be tested because, and that was hard to do, but what is school? But many, you know, many of the prisons are filled with folks with dyslexia. You know, and I can only say I might have been one step away from being caught. Um, yeah, because and I just had this conversation with my babies. I would um, I would go into mini school and that's another you know, I didn't touch on that when we were talking about what happened because New Orleans has so much culture why they're disconnected from it. And I left out a big thing. Most of that did happen because our charter schools after Hurricane mm. Katrina, they killed our public school and they brought in all the charter schools, which chopped us off definitely from my culture. Didn't hire back a multitude of African-American teachers. They bought in many white teachers from all over that has no connect. So that is definitely what I know my babies are suffering from as well. You know, um, it's bad. And that's a fight for us as well with the whole charter school system. It is definitely a fight. Um, that prison pipeline I was explaining to them. I was like, do you know that they build prisons based off your third grade reading level? Hmm. Third grade. So based wow. on your third grade reading level, whatever these children's reading level is in third grade, we're gonna build prisons if they're not on a third grade level. Cause we know by the time they graduate high school, they're coming to prison. Are they gonna force that for you? And I've walked into schools where it has devastated me because I've had to, like, am I in prison? The way, you know, it's it's definitely a thing. Well, you guys have gotten the game. You've gotten a taste. And make sure you look in the description box. One thing I can promise you is if you share this with someone, it will change their life, no matter if they're in Salon, Togo, Cameroon, or the U.S., because it'll have you thinking of what do I need to expose myself to? What books am I not reading or listening to in a time where it's free on YouTube? Turn off those cat and fighting and Karen videos and get into some learning so you can expose yourself so you can make some of this money. It's here for you and it's here to share. I thank you for coming on. We're going to take this offline, you guys, where I promise you, too, the best conversation will be told then. <laughs> but we, we're going to cut up a little bit. But make sure you share it with someone. You guys have been blessed by the game. Peace. Are you tired of the violence? Tired of the injustice? Police brutality, rampant discrimination, lack of gun control in this failed by a socioeconomic experiment called America? Or maybe you need a break from the relentless grind and want to regain control of your destiny, your wealth, your health, and your purpose. DiversifiedGang.com has the right course for you. Prepare for my first trip to Africa. Looking to reconnect with your roots, start a new business, or just a fresh start. Africa, a.k.a. the motherland, is waiting. Don't let the Chinese and the Mazungus have the fun and also take over the motherland. From Cairo to Mombasa, from Dakar to Cape Town, Africa has something for everyone from business opportunities to the most amazing people, safety, leisure, and landscapes. The opportunities abound. It is time for the diaspora to reconnect with their roots. Time to reconnect with the birthplace of humanity. Africa is the last frontier. Get your head in the game and reclaim your legacy. The writing is on the wall. Babylon is falling.
give up the stress, grinding violence inflicted on our people on this continent and prepare for a journey of restoration and joy by connecting with the land of your ancestors. Check out our new course and kick off your adventure at diversifiedgame.com. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.